This is your host, Terry Noland, and this is your community. Come on in, grab a seat, and strap in. First things first, I want to thank every single one of you for all of the encouraging comments, the voice recordings, feedback about this podcast. Now, let me tell you something. Don't keep it to yourself. We want you to share. We want you to subscribe. Make sure you are letting others know. And one of the big things that I've heard is that this podcast, while we're talking about literacy, while we're talking about leadership practices and principles around literacy and education, the skills are transferable to our own personal lives, transferable to business, transferable in so many places. You can be a literacy leader in a corporate organization. You can be a literacy leader as a parent. You can be a literacy leader no matter your place and space in this world. And what we are learning here needs to be in the mouths, needs to be in the heart of every single person. So just remember, like, subscribe, share, make sure you are other letting others know about this podcast. Now today, I got a good one for you today, and it's one that I've really been rolling around in for the past couple of months, been doing some research, been doing some digging, and have even done a couple of presentations and have submitted a chapter in a book as a potential as long as it gets approved, and it is around challenging deficit thinking challenging this deficit thinking that leads our thoughts because it comes in in our inbox. It comes in through professional learning opportunities. It comes in through our speech, through our words, this deficit thinking. Now, one of the things that I got challenged on when I was defending my dissertation, and that was the fact that within my dissertation, and this is going to be published and printed, and uh, one that I would like to go back and redo, is the fact how I talked a lot about struggling readers. And my goodness, I say that term all the time. There is were There are words in my mouth where struggling readers comes out titles of presentations that I've delivered over the time, over the years, and Struggling Readers has been used. And I will say it has been used because it's like it's that immediate phrase that people know, they understand. But then when I got challenged with my dissertation chair on this, and not in a negative way, but she challenged me, she said, you're a leader. You are a leader, a thought leader in education now as a, a doctoral student. And you've got to have the voice that challenges this deficit thinking because struggling readers is a deficit thinking. It's saying that the child comes to us broken. The child comes to us in this deficit and poverty mindset, poverty in their language, poverty in their words, poverty in the fact that they haven't received instruction, well, instruction in uh, literacy and language. If they've come to kindergarten, yeah, they haven't. But you understand what I'm saying. It says that something's wrong with the child. And we don't want to have the something's wrong with the child mindset. So we need to do something as literacy leaders that challenge this, that says, nah, 
We're not going to stand for it. And so for me personally, me, like I said, who have who have lived on this and said these words and led with these words, I have to change my thinking. I have to change not only my thinking, I have to change my speech because it's the words that I say that hang in the air, hang over a student. And we don't want that, right? We don't want to lead with deficit thinking. Deficit thinking says students aren't whole. They don't have the capacity to learn. They don't have the capacity to be a reader. They There's something wrong with their brain. Nuh-uh. I don't ever, ever want to de-genius a child. Never do I want to de-genius a child. My goal in life is to genius every single person around me, whether it be a colleague, whether it be a student, whoever it is, my job is to unlock your genius. My job is to see what's inside of you that you can't even see yourself because I truly believe that. Down in my heart, down in my gut, down in <clears throat> my, my, my teacher thinking, every single student placed in front of us has genius. Every single colleague on my team has genius. Now, of course, of course, let's get real. There are going to be, be people, colleagues I don't get along with. There are going to be students that test me, test my patience, test my kindness, test everything about me, but it doesn't mean that they don't have worth. It doesn't mean that they don't have value. It doesn't mean that they don't have genius. This is a, I talk a lot about John Maxwell only because I, I follow his teachings, his books, everything about what he does. And he talks about placing a 10 on everyone's head around you, place a 10 on their head because they are a 10. We just need to unlock the 10. We need to let them know they are a 10. We need to make sure that I lead and I speak like they are a 10. So I want you to think about something. If you do have a pen and piece of paper, it might be good to put this down into a T-chart. Okay, so I love a good T-chart. What educator doesn't, right? On the left-hand side, I want you to write deficit thinking up at the top. Over in the right-hand column is going to be values-based thinking, worth thinking, okay? So we're gonna see this dichotomy start to unfold and unravel when we think about terms that are used in education and what the deficit thinking looks like and feels like, and then how do we counterbalance that with this values-based and worth thinking? So on the left-hand side, first one on the deficit thinking, how many times have you heard this phrase in education? At risk student, at risk student, maybe even students at risk. Either way, it's a deficit mindset. It's a deficit phrase. It's a deficit ideology. It says that students are com coming to me out of marginalized situations, out of poverty, that, that it's going to take so much to get them fixed. They're broken. They're not whole. They're at risk. There are these things in their life that are just probably insurmountable. We can't get past it. 
that is deficit thinking. Now, over on the right-hand side, what if we use a values-based worth thinking? What if it's our system that is at risk of failing our students? Look at the difference. At-risk students, a system that is at risk of failing our students. That says there's something in the system that needs to change. And that says our students are coming whole and let our system figure out what to do to unlock and unleash their wholeness and their genius. I love this dichotomy. So I can see it on a piece of paper. I can visualize it in my brain. All right, here's the next one. Struggling reader. I've already talked about this one, right? Like I said, this has been on my lips for years talking about struggling readers. A struggling reader says that the, the reader is broken. The student is broken. Boy, they struggle. Uh, I mean, think about what a struggle it is if you are someone that works out. Struggle, struggle. Oh my goodness, you're trying to run that extra lap around the track. It's a struggle. I've already gone so far. I'm hurting. I'm weak. I, I need support. It says that something is wrong with the student, wrong with the reader. Now, over on the right-hand side, this values-based worth thinking, and I heard this from an administrator in New York City, Kip Schools, where she talked about, we don't talk about struggling readers here. We talk about developing readers. Development. My goodness, even as an adult, I need development. I need to grow and develop myself. What if you're a musician or an athlete, whatever skill you're trying to learn, you got to develop that skill, right? You got to work on it. You got to put the time and the effort and you got to build capacity around that. You know what? If we use a developing reader mindset, and could stare in the face of a child and make sure they understand they are developing, how does that reframe their thinking? How does it reframe their self-worth? A lot. Instead of talking about struggling readers. And you know what? These words that are in our mouths, maybe we would never say struggling reader to a struggling reader. But what if a colleague passed by and you have that conversation out in the hallway and your door is open and those listening ears are just peered and poised on your conversation outside. And you talk about your struggling readers. You talk about that struggling class. They hear it. It's the words that hang over them and it's the words that wash over them. We don't want that to happen. All right, here's, a, here's the third one in our T-chart. And this is one, I'm going to tell you, it gets me every single time. And it's a new one. And the minute I say it, I hope you have the same gut reaction that I had when I started hearing this word. And I've been challenging this from the very get-go. Learning loss. Oh my goodness, look at the learning loss that has happened this past year, this past 18 months. The learning loss, learning loss, learning loss. Every email you get in your inbox is all about learning loss or teacher burnout. 
Okay, I won't even go to teacher burnout. Learning loss. You know what? It's the vendors of the world. It's the curriculum providers of the world. It is the products of the world that have put that that phrase together and put it out there in the ether for people to look at and get your attention with. And I'm going to tell you, it is a, I'm challenging it because it is a deficit thinking. Learning loss says that a child had something and they lost it all together and it's gone and, and, and just moved on. And while I will say when you don't, you don't practice a skill, the execution of that skill does become diminished over time right? So that could have happened. But what about all that teaching and learning that never even occurred? They didn't even get their hands on it. They didn't lose anything. They weren't taught. That year that we missed four months of school, they weren't taught. How could they lose it if they were never taught? Learning lost. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm going to challenge it. And that those words will not be in my mouth, in my vocabulary, in my lexicon, because it doesn't place the student in a values-based, worth-based mindset. You know what I like better? What happened over the past 18 months? In my opinion, it was lighthouse learning. Think about what a lighthouse does when it guides the ships to shore. A lighthouse will shine its light on the ship that's coming in and then move and then shine its light on the next ship that's coming in and everything else is in the darkness and then turn again and move to that next ship that's coming else in and everything else is in the darkness. That's what these past 18 months were to me. It's lighthouse learning. These kids just shifted, the light shifted on what they were learning. When I heard the story about a student, I wish I knew the age of the student, I really don't, but I'm imagining a small student. When I heard the story about a student on their Zoom meeting, how you can go in and change your name, and they went and put in reconnecting as their name, reconnecting dot, dot, dot as their name. So the teacher wouldn't call on them because they would think that their internet is unstable. That to me is brilliance bottled up. That is brilliance. And it's a funny story. And, you know, and the teacher that it happened to probably wasn't very thrilled, right? But I'm going to tell you what, our students learned so much. They learned resiliency. They learned perseverance. They, they learned how to manage technology. They learned how to get up and go to school in their house. They learned how to get up and go to school in a physical environment when it looked and felt completely different. Our kids didn't lose. They just shifted their light. Now, here's here's what everybody, you know, here's where all of the education uh, system comes into play. Yeah, kids were not learning the content that kept them at the pacing schedules and pacing guides and benchmarks that were put out in place because that's what the system says. Guess what? 
the system that needs to change, not what that child is having happen. Kids didn't learn, didn't have that learning loss. They had that lighthouse learning, the shifts in learning. So that T-chart in my mind, when you come across deficit thinking, deficit words, what can you do to reframe? Reframe those words and put them in that values-based and worth thinking column. I'm going to challenge myself to do it. I'm going to challenge myself to have the right words in my mouth that slip off my lips so that when I am speaking with educators, when I'm speaking with students, with parents, with administrators, that I am leading with value. I am leading with worth and I am leading with love because that's what it's about. I love the work of Dr. Yvette Jackson. She uh, wrote a book, uh, Pedagogy of Confidence. This book is all about challenging deficit thinking. And there's something that she has some principles and some of these principles, what I want you to do, I want you to think with me about any student. I need you to picture this student in your mind, make them real, see their face, see their hair, See their eyes and nose and the features of their face. You can pick somebody, pick somebody. And I'm going to walk you through a little exercise using some of the principles from Dr. Yvette Jackson from Confidence, of the Pedagogy of Confidence. So one of the things that she says is that you need to look at every student or person or human being and understand that they have the capacity for high intellectual performance. Touch your head. Reach out. Touch the head of that child, that person that you are imagining. Look at their head, the top of their head, the, where that brain sits. You have capacity for high intellectual performance. There's no deficit happening here. We can build that brain because the plasticity that is taking place. All right, next down, I want you to see in the eyes of the person you're imagining. Look at those eyes. Think about the experiences they've had in their life. Think about what they've seen in their life. Think about the fact that you need to situate learning in their lives through what they've seen, what they've experienced. Those eyes tell a story. Those eyes mean something. There is heart and soul behind those eyes. Next, moving down, I want you to think about this person's mouth, their mouth. And when you think about their mouth, I want you to think about their existing skills and knowledge. What can they tell you about? What can they engage in discourse and conversation around? Their mouth says to me that they can spill out what they know, their skills and their knowledge. And when it comes to reading, there are some students that don't have the knowledge that they need. And it's because they haven't been taught in the right way. We got to give it to them. Think about that mouth, that skills and that knowledge. Okay, keep moving down. I want you to imagine this person with their arms up in the muscle pose, right? Flexing those muscles. 
And when you look at this person, when you look at this student, when you look at this colleague, I need you to see their strengths. I need you to see it. What are they good at? What are they going to knock out of the park every single time that you present this in front of them? What are they going to do? What are they going to show you? Because they've got something to show you. And I do not care who you are imagining. Maybe you're imagining a, a, a student that's in a wheelchair. You better watch out. They got some strengths. Every person has value. All right, let's keep moving down. I want you to imagine that this person has their hand over their heart. That heart and soul of every child, of every person, the culture. This is that culture moment right here. Where am I coming from? What do I know? What do I understand? What are my holiday celebrations like? That's that culture. All right, keep going. Think about that tummy. Think and think about that tummy growing. Not literally, figuratively, right? That every person, every student, every human being has the capacity for growth. Everyone. You look at yourself and you know that you can go out and accomplish some things. I hope you know it. And if you don't, I'm telling you right now, you can go out and accomplish things. So can every student placed in front of you. So what we just went through, thinking about the high intellectual performance, thinking about that brain, the top of the head, looking at that their eyes, situate learning in their life. Think about their mouth, the skills and the knowledge that they bring to the table. Then keep going down to their muscles. What are they good at? What are they strong at? Heart is all about culture. And that tummy says we've got capacity for growth. If you look at every person that's coming face forward, walking towards you, across from you, knee to knee and toe to toe with you, and you look at them in this way, you are going to be well on your way to a values-based thinking, worth thinking. You're going to drive out deficit thinking, deficit thought. My friends, we got to lead in this concept. Lead with our language and change our language. I know I'm going to be working hard at that. And we need to lead with believing this about every child, about every human, about every colleague. You're a 10, my friend. You're a 10. Thank you for going on the journey today. Thank you for being present. Thank you for continuing to grow and learn. If we are going to make an impact on education, create significance in the lives of our students, we need you. If you want to learn more about Learning Ally, visit us at learningally.org and be a part of a transformational community.